The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Continue our series of meditation on... Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, so hear now again God's word. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry, the service of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Please join your hearts with me as we pray. Father, we ask, as we have in the song that we just sang, we ask that you would give us uh, a humble heart, a servant's heart, whatever calling you give to us to serve one another in the body of Christ, to serve the glory of Christ in the advance of his gospel, in the growth of his word in the world, through your church. Father, give us a servant's heart, we pray, because we have been served by the Son of Man who came not to be served, but rather to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many, for us. Thank you for Jesus' servant leadership, sacrifice for us. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, so far in our reflections on Acts 6, we've considered multiplication and diversity. Our Lord loves lots, so we saw the multitude multiplication language in this text. And he loves lots of different kinds of people, the whole rainbow of the human race. Here hinted at through Hellenists and Hebrews, people, the Hebraists who grew up speaking the languages of the Old Testament, Hebrew and Aramaic, the Hellenists who grew up in the Greek dispersion. And so it was Greek in which they thought and felt and spoke. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. All nations, all peoples, all tongues, are, well, are needed to adequately praise the infinite glory of our God. But as we saw at the end of the last meditation, diversity can threaten division. And the apostles heard uh, a grumbling, a complaint, a, a, a gongus mas, remember? Uh, a thunder of a storm coming that could divide the church. So now we look at how they respond to that. And I think of this meditation uh, in, a, in a mixed language, seems fitting, mixed language title, uh, differentiating 
diakoniai. We'll talk about that, diakoniai. I left that one in the Greek for a very special reason. So how do they respond? Well, I think the first thing to notice, I have three points and a few minutes, so we'll do it the best we can. First thing we need to notice is the apostles don't do nothing. You're impressed. They don't do nothing. They might have done nothing. I mean, they have a lot on their plates. They were very busy, very busy men, and they had a very important task to do. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Acts 5.42, very close to our text, every day in the temple and from house to house, the apostles did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. They had plenty on their plate, yet they stopped everything and called a congregational meeting. I was tempted to explore the question of the logistics of a congregational meeting of thousands, which is the numbers now, uh, when the temple courts are mostly off limits now. We won't even think about that. I don't know how it happened. But they stopped everything to call the multitude of the people of believers together to address this issue. They stopped the presses to address the issue of some hungry widows who hadn't even learned to speak Aramaic after moving back maybe to the promised land late in life. All they could speak was Greek, and, and somehow in those house churches they weren't getting fed. Remember, these are the same guys that not long before Jesus went to the cross were the ones as his handlers who wanted to make sure that unimportant people didn't get too close to Jesus, right? Parents wanted their children, their infants, that's Luke's term, that's not my term, their infants to be touched by Jesus. And these apostles, these protectors of Jesus' energies and time, rebuked them and tried to send them away. And of course, they themselves were rebuked by Jesus. Let the children come to me. Don't keep them away. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. But now they're beginning to learn the lesson of their Lord's heart to care for people who may not seem very productive. We know from the, the times and from the New Testament that widows did not have much political or legal leverage in the ancient world. That's why Jesus told the story about the, the widow who had no leverage and couldn't get the attention of an unjust judge to give her justice until she beat him down through sheer harassment and got a verdict out of him. That dramatizes how helpless widows were. You would have thought that if the apostles hadn't changed from when they tried to keep the babies away from Jesus, uh, they would have still said, the widows are not going to be that useful in this church growth surge that the congregation here in Jerusalem is experiencing. But they stop everything. They rebuke me. 1976, when the rest of America was heading east to Philadelphia to celebrate the bicentennial, our family was heading west. I had been called to a little church in East Los Angeles. Little church. Actually, a fair number of college students, a few young families like ours with little children, some families with elementary school kids, some empty nesters. 
uh, and a fair number of senior citizens, including a number of widows, some of whom were still healthy enough to get to church, some of whom were shut-ins. And I was young. I was 28 when we got there. I was energetic. I was determined to reverse the kind of steady decline of that congregation as more and more of its members moved further out into the suburbs. I had all kinds of great ideas. Uh, and, and by the way, I was going to work on a graduate program or two in theology along the side. I got around to the widows now and then. I got around. Our widows didn't need food from the church. Their husbands had provided for them well before passing away. But they needed a pastor's visit. They needed prayer. They needed the word. They needed to know that their shepherd cared for them. And I have to tell you, when I come to this text, I almost didn't tell you all this, but it, it makes me wonder where my priorities were way back then. Be like Peter and John here. Don't be like me. Okay, there's a little exemplarist preaching there, but forgive me for that. They began to learn to care for people that couldn't do them a lot of good, apparently, at least. Um, and where did they learn that? Well, they learned it from Jesus, obviously from his example. And you see it here, actually, in now the second point, um, and that's why I left diakonia in the Greek, because you wouldn't, see in English, in most English versions, including sadly the ESV, a connection that they draw between serving tables, verse 2, diakoneo, and the service of the word, diakonia, in verse 4. We will give ourselves to the service of the word. Greek hearers would immediately hear that the two are connected. For us, most English versions elevate that second one to the ministry of the word. Doesn't that sound more dignified? Doesn't that sound more religiously significant? Well, it, it is significant because it's of the word, absolutely. But the point is that the apostles see their calling from Jesus to serve the word. In fact, their distinctive calling, not just to preach, but to be eyewitnesses of the resurrection, as we see all over Acts, as servitude, as being servants. Some called to serve tables. We'll see who those are. I think maybe next time. Some called to serve material needs. But the apostles also see themselves as called to serve in their ministry of the word. Two kinds of diakonii here. Both are servanthood types. They've learned the lesson that Jesus was teaching them. We see it in the Gospels. Uh, we see it in Mark 10, for example, James and John have the forethought to go through their mother to ask for the top spots in Jesus' cabinet, the top dogs in Jesus' kingdom kennel. And the other ten are outraged. And so they're arguing back and forth about who's to be the greatest. And Jesus takes them, calms them down, and says, you know, that's exactly the way the power structures of the world work. Those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over one, them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your diakonos, your servant. 
Whoever would be first among you must be slave, doulos, of all. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, diakoneo, the verb, but to serve, there it is again, and to give his life a ransom for many. My leadership in my kingdom, which is characterized by the servanthood that gives, I'm going to give my life for you. That defines what leadership is in my kingdom. They've learned it. They're beginning to learn it from Jesus. Later they would learn it by watching him wash their feet when all of them had too much dignity to do that for each other. Oh no. But he washed their feet. The slave's job. The servant's job. Many of you are preparing to devote your lives to prayer and to the service of the word, as the apostles sum up word ministry here in verse 4. When the Lord leads you into that life, will there be any task that's needed in the life of the body of Christ that will be beneath you, beneath your dignity, unworthy of your office? After we got to East L.A., I resolved not to tell this story because there's not enough time. I won't tell you the story about how Ernie, another young father and young husband and father who had come recently to faith through the testimony of his pediatrician, his kid's pediatrician, one of our elders, and the fact that his wife shared a room with my wife after our babies were born in the same hospital. Ernie and I were up on the kitchen roof in the... In, in the uh, at the church facility in East LA uh, with, a, with a, a pot of tar trying to close up all the gaps before the rainstorm came. I, I'm not going to tell you that story. I do think I remember still the thought crossing my mind. I did not have a course in seminary on this, on tarring the roof so that the rare rainstorm of Southern California doesn't pour water into the kitchen. Did you do that? You better. Otherwise, everything's going to get wet. Now, not every task is your calling. Jesus assembles a many-membered body, and that's part of the point that the apostles are making here. We can't continue with the, the care for the widows. The numbers are too great, and our calling from Jesus is to serve the word to people and to pray. We cannot continue to oversee the mercy ministry aspect of the church. So we need other leaders. And they say to the church, you identify who those leaders are to be. We need differentiated diaconia, diaconiae. All leadership and all service in the church is really service. Uh, it's not being served, but it's serving others. But there are different kinds, and that's the third point they'll make, and, and, and we'll just look at it briefly. We'll see it more uh, next time. Ministry of the tables, verse 2. Ministry of the word. Service of tables, caring for material needs. Service of the word, caring for spiritual needs. Both are needed. Everybody needs the service of the word. Everybody needs the gospel of Christ that gospel that remedies our profound, fatal, spiritual poverty by calling us to trust and rest in Jesus' infinite 
riches of righteousness. Everybody needs that. And in every congregation, many may also need ministry of table, ministry of mercy in one way, shape, or form. Now, I suppose the debate will rage until Jesus returns about whether this text shows us the institution of the ongoing office of deacon in the church as we see it today. Um, I'm not so sure it does. We, we see the ministries of both Stephen and Philip in the next chapter or two, and they do a lot of stuff that our ordinary deacons are not expected to do, including miracles, by the way, as well as a lot of effective preaching. But at the very least, however the debate comes down on that, we do see now a beginning of a distinction between word ministry, ministry to spiritual needs, and mercy ministry to all the other kinds of needs. Jesus doesn't just love disembodied souls. He loves whole people. And whole people have hurts that come from the fact that we live in this broken, broken, sin-cursed world. Certainly the New Testament epistles do show us two officers that have distinctive callings in those two roles. They're overseers, also called elders, and included in them would be the teachers of the church, the shepherds who shepherd by public teaching. And then there are the deacons. So you find those two identified in Paul's greeting to the church at Philippi, Philippians 1.1. And of course, then this, the qualifications outlined in 1 Timothy 3. So those are the officers that we can see continue even after the Lord has laid the foundation through the apostles and the New Testament scriptures are completed. They continue in the church. Overseer, elders who teach and shepherd, and then deacons who serve other needs. Peter actually, 1 Peter chapter 4, talks about these two categories of ministry. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve, diakoneo, one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Speaking and serving. And yet both speaking and serving, first of all, are described as serving. So he has that term twice. All speaking is serving, as well as serving being serving. Word and table, distinguished in a sense here, but also both carried out from the grace that God provides. We're stewards of that grace. It's not our own strength, but it's the gifting and the grace of Christ. And carried out for God's glory, not for ours. To him be the glory forever and ever. We've received the costly grace of Jesus, the servant leader. It cost him his own lifeblood. That needs to set the agenda for our hearts as we move toward ministry, whether it is a ministry of the word and prayer and shepherding, or whether it is the ministry of serving in many quiet ways to make sure that God's people don't go lacking, don't hurt, uh, without the body of Christ coming around them to care for them. Lifelong servanthood to the Lord and to others. Lifelong stewardship of his multifaceted grace. Let's pray together. Father,
we ask you for the humility spoken of in the, by the hymn writer with which we started uh, this time of meditation. Not restlessly looking for some great thing to do or secret thing to know, but rather humbly being guided by you into the service that you are preparing us for. Teach us as your grace floods our hearts, as you overwhelm us again and again with the selfless sacrifice of our King Jesus. Teach us uh, that a life of self-renouncing love is a life of liberty. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2016, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.